Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Yeah, again, sorry it's so warm in here, y'all. I don't know, we just need to pray for a movement of God to heal the AC unit in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I am super excited to be preaching today. Um, first, before I get started, I just wanted to say that Amy, our incredible worship leader, celebrated a birthday this week. So. for the incredibly young woman that Amy is, Lord. She has just come into this place like a whirlwind, and she has, has dramatically changed our lives and, and what we do here at TakeOver. We are so, so grateful for that. We're so grateful for what she brings to the table, so grateful for the growth and, and the dreams that you've placed inside of her, Lord. She is just such a such a love, 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 yes. and she's so cherished, Father. Yes. I just pray that this year would be incredibly blessed, that it would be the best year yet, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to her in ways that she has not yet experienced, Jesus, that your hand would be upon her, that your favor would be upon her, in Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Yes, I'm really proud of that's, that's my thing. So, relationships, who is, who is really like this series so far? Anybody? on forever, but we're not going to be Mike Todd and be like, part 52 of our series, love and chains breaking and things like that. <laughs> so this is part three, right? This is work, huh? Yeah. And then Scott is finishing it off next week, no, or no, it's going to go on for a while. Yeah. So, so it's been really exciting because we've been able to talk about relationships as far as like men, women, dating, marriage things that haven't worked out, things that have occurred in those places, in those spaces yeah. that we potentially held on to, the way we view others, that the way we view men, the way we view women, and it's just, it's such a loaded topic that when we've met for the babes crew and the dudes crew, the conversation has just been incredible. It's been life-giving, it's been eye-opening, it's been life-changing, and when we talk about uh, relationships, so many times people are like, oh, you know, uh, romantic or, or sexual or, or fam familial, fatherhood and motherhood and those things. But there, there is a, a third portion of, of relationships and that is relationship with self. So today, I'm going to be talking on self-love and the title of my, um, of my, my part is uh, first love. So if you want to just write that down your list, first love. So we're going to start at the very, very beginning with the very first relationship was God with himself. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he was in a relationship with himself. So that is a relationship that right off the bat, <coughs> relationship with himself. He designed relationship. He made it what it's supposed to be, and it's the enemy that gets in there and completely messes that up, <coughs> begins to corrupt and to twist. 
The first human relationship was Adam with God. And then Adam with self. We all, sometimes we think about, you know, self love or identity or a relationship with yourself we're like yeah that sounds weird but I mean you're the person you live with all of the time you're the one talking to yourself you're doing the self-talk you're you're the one who is who is as you grow through situations you're having those conversations you're with yourself yeah, well. and with God so it's the relationship that you have with the father it's the relationship that you have with yourself so in the beginning God had a relationship with himself then there was Adam. Adam had a relationship with God, and then Adam had a relationship with himself. Yeah. In his identity, in his love of self, Adam's healthy love of self, he knew his purpose. He knew that he was caretaker of the planet. Oh, wow. He knew and understood that he was loved by his creator. He knew the purpose he was created for. He was created and loved by his creator. And in, in seeing how God loved him, he was able to see how he was meant to love himself. Yeah, and Adam being the only person there, there wasn't another person to love until Eve. Eve. That's right. So God informed his relationship with Eve yeah. or that other person. So some might say, what is self-love? It, it can be loosely used as identity knowing whose and whose we are, respect for who you are, your body, your physical self, purpose, knowing you are not here by accident. Everyone is here for a reason and a purpose. Those all can be pieces of self-love or self-identity. Now, when I say self-love and that it's important that it's lacking, because it is, people might say, well, that's crazy because the world seems self-obsessed to me. I mean, we look at social media, we look at celebrities, we look at entertainment, and we see people who appear to be in love with self. But the truth is, is that they are in love with pleasure, they're in love with desire, they're in love with broken pieces of themselves that are not a whole and complete self love. Because you can be you can be crazy about who you are and wanting the world to know it. And oh, I can't see Joni unless I like step up. I see you, girl. I got you. Um, unless you can't truly love yourself and have self-love for yourself unless you have all of the pieces. You, you know where you come from. You know your purpose. You know who you are. You know what you're called to do. And you respect and you love who you are as an individual, right. inside, outside. There are people who can promote how much they love each other, how much they love themselves to the world, and hate themselves yeah. internally, yeah. hate themselves privately. It's it's very confusing. It's very very broken. People, like I said, people are obsessed with pleasure, what feels good, wants, desires. What they promote is not necessarily what's going on on the inside of them. Yeah. I would say that as we're in a pandemic now, there has been an ongoing pandemic of self-loathing, fractured identity, crushing brokenness, and hopeless, directionless living because people do not know who they are, who created them, who they're loved by. So what are some of the things that can happen when we don't love ourselves? 
we can allow abuse in our lives, thinking that that is what we deserve, that's just who we are, that's our sinful nature, we're broken, we're hurting people, and, and abuse, well, that's just part of it. I guess I deserve that. Some weird karma thing. You can doubt your worth, and if you doubt your worth, you can forfeit your power. That's spiritual power, that's power of authority, that's power among other people in leadership. Sin can come in, or pain, and it can corrupt our image of ourselves. We can go without understanding how to love others if we cannot fully love ourselves. And lastly, how can we love God to his greatest extent if in whose image we are created if we do not love ourselves. That's brilliant. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> the keys to self-love, these are three that I, I came up with. Knowing whose image we were created in, knowing what you were created for, and knowing that you are desperately loved by your creator. What I have come into contact most in my in my journey working first in youth and then now working as a pastor is self-love in women. I, that's, I'm a woman, hello, and uh, that, that is where I, that is where I've done the most work is with, is with young ladies. And I will say, I, I've worked with some guys too, I would say that guys struggle with self-love just as much as a woman can, but for some reason, almost every single woman in some way that I have met has struggled with some aspect of self-love. Yeah. And for example, these are just a few examples, ways I've seen women struggle with loving themselves and not knowing their full identity in Christ. One, I've seen women hate their bodies. I've seen women hate their bodies. I've seen women hate themselves in such a way that, like I said, you can allow abuse. They've allowed abuse in their lives, emotional, verbal, physical abuse. When we first planted, I was working with a young lady who, this is rough, um, she would go to a party, she would get drunk out of her mind, and she would, she would get raped. And she would follow this behavior multiple times over and over again because she thought that that was the only type of love that she was worthy of. Those were the only type of attentions that she could get. To me, that is just so, that is so crushing, that is so crippling to think that that is the only way that she felt that she could experience love. And to get drunk enough that in hopes that she wouldn't remember it in such a ragged way, that in some way it could be, it could be a healthy type of love. And let me tell you, I don't care how drunk you get, you will remember. Yeah. At some point, you will remember. And, and that was some of the stuff that we had to work through. I've known women whose mothers have neglected to empower them as children. They have neglected to love them correctly. They have neglected to, to build them up instead of tearing them down, which can, can completely change and alter your identity as, as someone who is loved and cherished and created by God to do so much. If your mother, who is one of the, potentially one of the first people you have in your corner, doesn't accept you and that person rejects you, 
that is absolutely crushing and speaks to the fact that that mother, how they feel about themselves and that self-love that is lacking there. I can almost guarantee that if a mother is taking that out on a child, it's because she feels that way about herself. And we love to sing that song, The Blessing. I'm your children and your children's children. And we love that because we want that for our children. We can also pass on that nasty ugly as well. It's not just the blessings. It's not just the good things. It's the crappy stuff too. And, and we need to hold ourselves accountable to work that out and to do our best with our babies. Yeah? Yeah? Um, there are women who cannot handle being alone. There are women who cannot handle God's timing. There are women who rush into things. You know, they, they, they rush into a relationship that they don't potentially have peace about and they can dump they can burn a year and a half, two years, four years on a relationship that they were never meant to be in. And that doesn't mean that God can't work through that and use that on the other side for them to, to close a gap with other women because it's true that will happen. But I, that's so frustrating sometimes to see women rush into things that they, that if God's timing, if they were just waiting for God's timing, if they were just patient, they, his timing is so much better than ours, right? So much better than and lastly, um, there are women who allow abuse in their relationships, either from a husband or a boyfriend, emotional, verbal, physical abuse, and it's because they feel trapped. They can feel trapped in that relationship. Maybe it's something that they experienced seeing their, their mother go through as a young person, and that's just become the norm. And we're going to talk here that that is not the norm. That's not the way things are meant to be. And our culture has not always handled that successfully to come alongside those women and men. It happens to men too. I'm speaking to the ladies right now. Come alongside those women in a healthy way to empower them to get out of those relationships or for healing to be allowed to come in those relationships. These are just a few examples of the corruption in the world when it comes to sin-twisting identity. Men who are told that they don't measure up and thousands of years worth of women being told that they are less than. So going back to the very, very beginning, and I mean all the way back, Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity, open hostility, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. So the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will give birth to children. Yet your desire and longing will be for your husband. And he will rule with authority over you and be responsible for you. So in the beginning, Eve was deceived. And what is being spoken over her and what is being spoken over the serpent, the enemy, in this passage is, you will be enemies. And it says, your seed, there will be enmity between your seed and her seed. Our seed will fatally bruise his head, and you shall only bruise his heel. So what does that mean? That means that Satan is going to do whatever he can to destroy women. Because it's from their seed that his head will be crushed. So, he went to work. He told men that women are weak for the taking and the breaking. 
And that is not at all what the Bible says. It says that men are responsible for us. They're supposed to guard and protect and endure and empower. That is the role of men. And for women, the role to love and to let our husbands lead in authority. Now this can be taken out of context and it can be stretched this way and that way and this way and that way, but basically, women and men are meant to live together in a loving relationship that is peace-giving. No one's being taken advantage of. That is what is intended. So Satan is gonna to try to tell the world and excite the world into thinking that women are less than. And I'm gonna go on a tangent does everybody remember the Me Too movement? It happened like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay, so when this started happening, I got really excited. That's weird. But I got excited because we were trying, we were beginning to see women take a place on the stage that was in the front. It was loud. Women were being heard for the first time. This whole situation came out of men who were in power, using their power to abuse the absolute garbage out of any woman that they wanted to. Men were affected by this movement as well. But for me, to see women empowering women in, in, such, in such an incredible way, to see women encouraging men to empower women, to see them as, as loved, as cherished, as important. There are countries that are not America where women are treated like they are not human. And to see this happening, which it was a bubble and it popped and we're like in the aftermath of that now, was so exciting to me. I saw such change on the horizon and it spurred on change in the church. Yeah for women to be able to stand at the forefront of what we're doing and saying their voice is worth hearing, their voice is important. It is necessary, it is needed. It's two halves of a whole. Now again, I know that there was major negatives that went on with the whole Me Too thing, but it was exciting to see women being heard, seen, and respected in a new way that was potentially closer to the way that God had intended from the very very first. People were taking a hard look at how often men use power to take advantage of women or people less powerful than, than them and using that power to silence them completely. In the beginning, God created women, woman, as a helper. And strategically, through time and history, it did not take long, the enemy worked on humanity to bring women down to a point where they were almost nearly or slaves with no rights, no personal rights, not even to their own bodies. If you go back far enough, women did not own property. They did not have money. They could not have jobs. They were at the mercy of their families if their husband were to die. It was not until World War II that we saw the first influx of females in the workplace. So all the men went away, someone had to work in the factories, and, and the women, they did the dang thing. Incredible. That 
is not that long ago. My grandfather was in World War II. That's crazy to me. Women also could not vote to help determine the direction of a nation, even when they made up half of the populace. Here in America, women did not get the right to vote until 1920. That was 100 years ago. 100 is a big number. It's a drop in the bucket. It's 100 years ago that women got the right to vote. Yeah. Insane to me. There has been a great global movement started by Satan himself to strip women of their power, to twist the belief that they have in themselves, and that they are destined by God to do great things. I want particularly for a moment to talk about the image of women and how Satan has attacked that. He began to twist the idea of beauty for, for women instead of loving what they have and what they're born with, there are women who surgically augment their bodies and their faces, starve themselves to death out of a desire to look like something the world says is beautiful. Yeah. I did some research. I work in the fashion industry. I have to read all of these, all of these different things about trends and beauty trends and everything. And it said 70% of facial surgeries at this point are cosmetic. 30% for actual medical reasons. Dated a guy in college, he was a hockey player, he had a crushed nose. While we were dating, he got a nose job so that he could actually breathe. 30% of surgeries, facially, are actually medical for medical reasons, and 70% are to change what we've got naturally. 18 million people underwent cosmetic surgery, body and face, in 2018 medical news today. That's men and women. And I am not shaming anyone who has had any kind of augmentation done. Not at all. What I am simply trying to say is that there is a direct parallel to the nature of people not loving what they have and who they are and being taught to hate what they have and want something else. God would never say you were fearfully, wonderfully made, but get a nose job. He would never say that. Never, ever, in a million years. You know, if you, if we love ourselves, we, we're not going to want to radically augment what we have. We're going to love what we've got. It's part of who we are. It's the inside and the outside. And, and this isn't just for women. Zach was showing me some freaky deaky thing about these guys who like inject oil into their bodies and have like fake muscles. Yeah. It is scary. <laughs> don't don't Google it. It is it is absolutely terrifying. It's fake, but it's it's to get this, it's to appear to the world to look like something you are not. You can work out, you can get those muscles. Yeah, do it. But get some augmentation or some surgery and just have it done. You know? It's not what God intended. It's not, it's not what he wants us to do. In the West, and we, as women, we are surrounded by magazines and men of people who look perfect. Surgically, they're altered. Their age is airbrushed away. They are pinned into a garment seven ways from Sunday that we can't see as the viewer. And we are supposed to compare ourselves to that kind of, of physical beauty. We are told that that is natural. 
which is the most unnatural thing in the world. It's crazy. I remember feeling that as a young girl. Holy cow, I don't look like this. What's wrong with me? First inclination, what is wrong with me? Why do I look so different? How do they look so perfect? What am I doing wrong? In India, for the longest time, thank God this is changing, for the longest time, if your skin was too dark, too dark, culturally, you would be encouraged to lighten your skin. Bleach your skin. Which, if you can imagine, isn't good for your skin, isn't good for your body, isn't good for you, but there is the social pressure for you to have lighter skin than what you were naturally born with. You can go into a, a drugstore right there at the front. All the stuff that you would need to lighten your skin. Instead of being encouraged to love what you have. This is programming that he has, he has systematically infiltrated culture, he has twisted, he has made ugly. He, I mean, dude, even in Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah, Disney might come for me after I, <laughs> after I pop this bubble. 1937, very first Disney movie. Does anybody know what it was? Snow White. Snow White. You know what she looked like? No. Thin, white, perfect. All the time. Even sleeping. Oh, woke up, makeup. Wow, not natural at all. But if you're a kid, you're like, shoot, dang up. That's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna look like that. Not the case. That is programming. Thin, white, perfect, all the time. And we start at what, three or four? That's, that is the programming. That it doesn't look like programming, but it is. And what if you're black? You didn't get a princess until 2009 yep. who looked remotely like you. Wild. Wild to me. It, and it, I want to compare that and contrast that to what it talks about beauty being in 1 Peter 3.3. It says, Your adornment not, must not merely be external, with interweaving of elaborate knotting of the hair, and weaving of gold jewelry, or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in, in expensive clothes but let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. One that is calm, self-controlled, I'm still working on that, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. Wow, that doesn't say anything about thin, white, perfect all the time. In fact, it says that the true measure of a woman does not come from external value. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not ripping on external beauty either. We've got to love what we've got. We've got to work with what we've got. But the focus being on the internal beauty versus the external beauty. And this is for guys too. This is for all y'all too. Y'all are beautiful. Beautiful. Got to feel good about what you got going on, on the outside by knowing what you've got going on on the inside. Oh, it's like what Lizzo says, mirror, mirror on the wall, don't say it, because I know I'm cute. <laughs> so I, put that in there. I was listening to her all weekend. Anyways, men, 
I, I want to take a moment to speak about how the enemy comes at your identity as well. Because he does. He doesn't want you to know your power, your worth, who you come from. He wants to orphan you and tell you that you have no purpose. And he wants to torture you with doubt. Some examples. First one that came to mind, if you make it out of your teens as a virgin, I can almost guarantee the enemy works on you every single day to convince you of your inadequacy, your unlovability, and the wrongness of your sexual desires. Sexual, de sexual desires, designed by God, they're natural, they're great, they can be hard to control, there's a place for that, marriage, but I can almost guarantee with our culture in this world that if you made it out of your, virgin, out of your teens as a virgin and are a man, you've had friends who have ripped on you, you felt pressure from culture, you have felt inadequacy because, that, because you're still in your single season, of which there's nothing wrong with. For men, maybe growing up, your father did not tell you about your individual importance. And again, this goes right back to what we talked about before. It shows and speaks to more of an inadequacy within themselves than it does to how or who you are. Right or how you are supposed to feel about yourself. Praise God, a lot of us had amazing parents. There are a lot of us who did not. Count yourselves extremely blessed if you have great parents and tell them and call them every day and tell them that you love them, okay? Because there are people who have the exact opposite of that. And a lot of their identity and value came from how they were treated by those parents. Last one, maybe you've been married. Maybe you went through a terrible divorce. Maybe the enemy has been working on you that you had your chance, you blew it, you're never going to find anyone ever again. And that is an identity that you wear. Discouragement. It says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees as a man sees. The Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And this was talking about King David. Everybody was like, we want a king, we want a king. God was like, there he is. That's your king. And they were like, that guy's short. He's young. He's a redhead. That's not a king. <laughs> Nothing against redheads. We love redheads. I'm just teasing. People saw a child. God saw a king. He saw internally, beyond his situation, beyond his history, and beyond his appearance. He sees beyond your divorce. He sees beyond your your situation of brokenness, whatever that may be, he sees beyond those, and he sees who you are within your heart and within your spirit. Things that happen to us can start to define us if we let them. They can become mantles that we pick up and we wear. A mantle is like a piece of clothing that you throw over your back, right, Mom? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of archaic. You throw it over your shoulders, it's something that you wear all the time. You carry it. It's a mantle. You can feel ugly about yourself. 
that's a mantle. Victim, that's a mantle. Divorcee is a mantle. Abuse is a mantle. Unforgiveness of self is a mantle. And those may be the things that the enemy says about you, encourages you to carry, because he wants it to become ingrained in your identity. He wants you to act out of that identity. He wants you to feel about God out of that identity. He wants you to feel about yourself and others out of that identity. But when we come to know Jesus, he calls us out of those things. Such a large part of the sickness of the world today is misshapen identity, misshapen self-love or lack thereof. So what can we do about that? First and foremost, embracing truth about who you are and what your Creator says about you. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Created in Christ Jesus, we're born from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. We are created in the image of God. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. Thinking that we are actually created in the image of the God who created everything, everything good, on this planet, in this world, in this universe, we look like And he looks like us. And I love that it says that we are a creative, we are a work of art. Because as an artist myself, I know how much love, devotion, and time goes into creating art. And I know how I feel about it after I've created something. So I know that that is a reflection of how God feels about each of us. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he was created. Male and female, he created them. Our our identity is found in him. Not in divorce. Not in abuse. Not in an eating disorder. Not in what the world says is beautiful. Worship team, you guys can come up. We are his workmanship. We are a work of art. We are his craftsmanship. He did not make a mistake in you. The relationship we have with ourselves directly affects the relationship that we have with God. What we feel, see, and say about ourselves becomes a reality because it is what we allow. If God says chosen, loved, forgiven, enough, special, beloved, Who are we to say ugly, not enough, disgusting, undeserving, forsaken? What right do we have to condemn the creation in us by the world's standards, a standard which is repellent to God the Father? God sees beyond the physical. He sees beyond the emotional. He sees the spirit heart and soul of a person. And if we could see and understand that, the tremendous potential within inside all of us, we would think twice before tearing down on the beauty that is hidden there. Yeah. 
the longer we walk with Jesus, the less we see others and ourselves and the world through these, and the more we begin to interpret and see them through this. The eyes given to us by the Holy Spirit. In Mark 12, 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all of your strength. <clears throat> the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. I'm here to tell you one simple truth. Love God, and it will inform how you love yourself. Love yourself, and it will inform how you love all begins with loving God. He tells us how to love ourselves. And that tells us how to love those around us. Everyone, if you want to just close your eyes. I'm going to close out in prayer. And then the worship team is going to lead us in one last song. If at any point in your life, you can recognize that your identity came under attack, that today you are still carrying some of those aspects of the lies of the enemy. I want you to just think for a second. Think about the things that you're carrying, those mantles that are not true. And if you want to shed those today, I want you to lift your hands so I can see. So I can bear I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Praise God. Just pray in your heart with me right now. Jesus, thank you for every single person that had the courage to raise their hand and recognize that they are carrying something that you did not say about them. But they are carrying something that is not true. Father God, we, we lift up that thing to you right now. We call it what it is in our hearts and in our minds. And we say right now, today, and forever, we reject it. Say that out loud. We reject it. In Jesus' mighty name. Father God, we offer that thing up to you right now. And we pray that you would replace it with your truth. Father, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That we are... Your, your workmanship, that you love us, and we are so worthy of love, that we are beautiful, even if we do not understand that beauty yet, or we only see it in a half-life. Jesus, there is such beauty. Give us the eyes to see, and the mind to discern, and to know, and to experience freedom in who you have called us to be. 